Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. Throughout our conversations, we have learned that courage is not about acting brave when you have no fear. It is, in fact, about facing your fears and embracing all of your imperfections while taking action anyway. Many of us who are high-functioning overachievers hide our anxiety or depression based on shame. As we face the continuous pressure to achieve more and more and more every single day, our mental health gets buried away at a time when it is critical to care for it. Today, we are joined by Emmy Rousseau. She's a transformational speaker and coach who, having faced her own battle with mental health, created Trinity Transformations to inspire and connect through joy, gratitude, and self-love. Welcome, Emmy. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for being here. And so maybe we can kick off by defining exactly what we mean by high-functioning, overachieving individual (laughs) who's potentially hiding our depression or anxiety. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I think a lot of people... Uh, I guess I first want to say that mental health is a spectrum. And so, you know, most there's the completely mentally healthy to all the way on the other side where we have a serious mental illness, but then there's a lot in between. And most of us are at neither end of the spectrum, but somewhere in between. And these days, especially, especially over the last year, almost everybody has at least experienced symptoms of anxiety or depression at some point, some of us more than others. But those of us who are high functioning and anxious overachievers tend to not recognize that maybe we are experiencing anxiety and depression symptoms because we have this, there's this stereotype of, oh, you're depressed. It means you can't get out of bed. You can't do your job. You can't be a good you know, wife, right. mom, dad, worker, blah, 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 blah. Extreme can't, version. Can't do any of that. Uh, your anxiety, you have anxiety. Oh, it means you have panic attacks all the time. It, it means you also can't probably hold down a job because you're like debilitated by your disorder. Right. But that's the whole thing about high functioning. Those of us who are high functioning actually on the outside are amazing. We often have it all, like according to what, you know, society <laughs> thinks, right? We have all the things, we have the job, we maybe have the relationship, we have just all the things. And yet on the inside, we sometimes feel like we're drowning. And then we wonder why, why do we feel like this? Because I have all the things or I have all the success and I have, you know, and I'm able, I am successful. So why am I feeling so horrible on the inside? That's mm-hmm. the whole piece of being a high functioning overachiever with dealing with anxiety or depression. So does the anxiety almost um, spiral or grow because you want to keep up this facade of 
every, I have everything under control and there's a huge vulnerability in sharing the fact that, you know what, you don't actually feel great inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a couple of things really hold people back who have high functioning depression or anxiety. One is their own selves. And they're like, I can't let anybody know that I'm feeling this way because I am so successful or I look so successful or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Usually they are so successful. Um, And that doesn't mean they have a fantastic job. Like it could be successful as in other ways, but um, then so they hold themselves back from that, that whole shame of letting other people know what will they think? I had that. I mean, I was a teacher, a mom, a wife of three, you know, the whole white picket fence kind of, yes. kind of life, right? The, the yes. million dollar family at one point ended up with three kids. But at one point I had the million dollar family, a boy and a girl and rah, rah, rah. And so I wasn't going to let anybody know because then if I said I was depressed, then my friends wouldn't take advice from me because who takes advice from a depressed person? If I said I was depressed, oh. I'm a teacher. Like, who's going to want their kids taught by a depressed teacher? So I can't let anybody know. And that just made it worse because then I'm like, okay, why can't I just get over this? Like, I have a good life and whatever. And so that's part of it. And then the other part is that often people who are high functioning, when they do reach out to that first person or the first couple people, they finally muster up the courage. They, they tell somebody yeah, and they're like, oh, no, you're fine. It's probably just, you know, the weather. It's probably just a blue day. Like suck it up. Look at you're you're amazing. Look at how, how great of a leader you are. How great about that. that, 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 that. You're told you got it all together. It's fine. So they don't even believe you. So then you start to doubt yourself even more. Right. And then again, that just spirals you down, 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 down. So two things there. First is how do you prepare yourself for that? Or second, how do you choose the right people to share with who aren't going to just brush it off? Yes. <laughs> well, first, I think that exactly that. You need to like mentally prepare yourself that, hey, listen, I didn't even know I was struggling for a while and I didn't show it right. to anybody else. So maybe people aren't going to believe me at first. Mm-hmm. So who should I start with? Well, probably you should start with your doctor or, you know, a naturopath or a healthcare professional who has seen it many times and knows that it doesn't always look like the stereotype that everybody thinks of. Right. Uh, And then, you know, you just kind of a trusted friend, but know that that trusted friend might not like, I really think you just have to prepare yourself that. And if that first person doesn't tell someone else, and if that person doesn't tell someone else, because there are so many people that actually do understand or will believe you. It's just unfortunate that sometimes the people we're closest to, they can't see through the facade that we've so expertly crafted for so many years. Imagine that. Yeah, and I think the, the key there is you know yourself better than anybody else. So if you feel like something's not right, it's almost like the same as a physical symptom of illness and disease that is, you know, broad, nobody, Nobody would say to you, you don't have cancer. Stop being silly. It's all good, right? Like, or you don't feel that physical pain. Right. Don't be silly. And I feel like with mental health, it's a lot harder for people to understand because it's potentially not as as tangible as physical illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's invisible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did, did, on your journey, how did you navigate uh, Hmm. this kind of thing? And who, who was your trusted person that was the first one? you shared with? 
Um, my husband at the time, who oh. also was like, at first didn't really get it. Um, okay. And from there, I went to my doctor straight away. Cause I was like, no, I know. I mean, I, to be honest, I guess that wasn't really the first person I told my parents as a teenager, I I've felt oh, okay. since mid teens, like there was something wrong with me. And now I know there was nothing wrong with me, but that's yes. how I felt as a teenager. And I was like crying out for help, went to a counselor at school, but because I was like getting good grades in the clubs on the student council, like I, had amazing friends. Again, even then I had like all the signs of success. So people were like, no, 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 no. So I really had been reaching out for a long time and that made me doubt myself even more. And so now my self-esteem is lower because I can't trust my own intuition and I can't trust what I think. So I must be wrong. And so more shame was building, building, building. But finally, when things kind of started to take a turn for the worse with my husband at the time he's not my ex-husband but I was starting to just be not good with him like I was not treating him the way I should have not respectfully and I I just couldn't because I was like such a mess inside I didn't have it to give and I realized like no this is not me I can't I can't do this so when he was like "Mm, I don't know like maybe you're just making stuff up or maybe you're making excuses. I went to the doctor and luckily I had an amazing doctor who took it seriously and referred me to someone right away. And that was how I was able to get help. And then funny enough, as an adult, I told my mom, oh yeah, I got this diagnosis. And she's like, oh, all of a sudden, totally, totally like on board. (laughs) Everything was fine. But I think she'd also seen a decline in my well-being my mental well-being over the years so uh but she said she actually was one who really helped me and told me that you know this is a condition that's a chemical imbalance in your brain if you need medication to fix a chemical imbalance in your brain or balance a chemical imbalance in your brain it's no different than a diabetic who needs insulin yeah it's no different than that and when she put it in that way I was like oh you're right. So it's not my fault. It's not something I did wrong to have this chemical imbalance in my brain. The fact that I have it is not something I can't get rid of it. I will always have it. There's no cure. Right. So just like diabetes. Okay. So I, if I need to be on meds for the rest of my life, that's okay. And if I just balancing the chemicals in your body, exactly. So that was really freeing. And that allowed me to start to share with other people, which was fantastic. So you and your mom came to a, a really great place later in life. As a teenager, for yourself, it must have been really tough to not be believed and, and not hurt. Not that obviously your parents did the best they could with the information mm-hmm. they had. So as a mom now, what would you advise parents to do if their child comes and expresses like they're not feeling quite right? How would you, how would you advise parents handle that? That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. I think... The key is to listen. Like we always have these ideas, right? Like we're older and wiser and we know better. It's kind of how at least people in my generation and and above and older have been socialized. And I think even parents now that are younger than me, like it's only starting now, I think that kids have a voice. So um, to really listen, listen to what they are saying. Like they know themselves best too just like we know that we know ourselves best, so do they, you know, so we can think, oh, we're wiser and whatever. Yeah. But 
we're not inside them. We're not in their heads. We're not in their bodies. So to really just listen and be that empathetic witness. Mm. Yeah. Just to make, make them feel heard. I think that's, that's the most important thing for anybody, no matter what age you are. It's just be in that moment with them and, and feel with them mm-hmm. in that space. Um, a lot of people will also face, um, like they won't be able to get past that shame or they'll struggle to get past the shame. How did you start to sort of peel that back? That's another thing that it seems so opposite to what you would think. So you're ashamed right. to tell people but not telling people is creating more shame. As soon as you start to tell people, it is like magic because people are like, oh my gosh, me too. And you're like, what? You too? I would have had no idea. And so now you have this like, they are also thinking the same thing about you, of course. And so you have this instant like new bond, a stronger bond of connection. And then somebody else says, wow, thanks so much for sharing. That made me feel like I could share too. And so now you feel awesome because you're not, you're helping other people because you're giving them permission to share in your yes. sharing. And you're also finding connection and kinship with people who can identify with you. So honestly, once it's out in the open, the shame just like starts. So to it just off. starts to, it's like the barriers and blocks and walls and defenses that you have put up just start to slowly... Mm-hmm. slowly melt away so the, the, I guess the most critical thing is to find the right person to talk about it and not be afraid to talk to more and more and more until you find that gem of a human exactly. <laughs> that will listen and help you along your journey um so you created a whole a whole company out of this and, and you dedicate your life to helping people navigate through this can you tell us a bit more of that and about trinity transformations and the work you do Absolutely. I love the way that you put it because that's it. I'm devoting my life to it. It is my mission to empower millions of anxious overachievers to be able to release the shame and guilt they're holding on to and then be able to like tune into themselves. Because as you so perfectly said, we know ourselves best. So tune into yourselves to reprioritize their lives and reclaim that best life. Because I really think we were born with our best life. And then somewhere along the way, because we stop listening to our intuition, we lose our best lives. We might feel like we never had it, but I really think that we're all born into it. And then so, but that's what I do. So through my coaching, speaking to groups about whether it be about high functioning depression, anxiety, or about growth mindset, which is a huge tool to help or about reducing stress and increasing joy, anything to do with the, the three pillars of, as you said, the self-love, joy, and gratitude. I just bring all of those into my coaching and my speaking to help other people make those transformations in their life too. That's awesome because it's everybody's unique also. So it's a different mix of all of those things that come into play. Um, you mentioned growth mindset and some of the tools that we could use. So what are, what are some of the things that maybe our listeners could do right away for themselves other than mm. reaching out and talking to someone? Absolutely. So in growth mindset, I think if you are 
not really familiar with growth mindset, just to super quickly define it for yeah. some of the listeners, it is basically the belief that with skilled learning and practice, we can improve at anything that we put our mind to versus a fixed mindset of, well, I was born talented at this and I you know, have these skills. And so this is, I will be great at this and I will never be great at that. Mm -hmm. um, that's the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. So with growth mindset, I find one of the most powerful words, just one word is to add yet at the end of your sentence. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yet is so powerful. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the girl. There's an artist that did a song on Sesame street uh, about it. I mean, I think it's a song, but it, I mean, I don't remember if it's like a song in the real world kind of thing, but right. called the power of yet so powerful. Like if you say, Aww. I'm not a good artist, but then you think your brain is like, That's, mm. it's fine. Like it's right. fine. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a good artist yet. All of a sudden mm. your brain is pulled into the future, like with hope, ah, but maybe I could be, you know? So if we talk about like, I can't tell anybody, I can't tell anybody about this. I'm stuck in the, I, the shame. I can't tell anybody. Oh. Okay. I haven't been able to tell anybody yet. Yet. So it's very powerful. Actually, that one word changes the whole sentence. It does. It does. So I love the word yet. So that's my growth mindset tip. Amazing. Love it. And then as far as other tools, as you said, like every person is different. So different things are going to work for different people. And I am not a cookie cutter kind of person. However, mm -hmm. One thing I think is a must in some way. And I know like some people are going to be like, eh. so warning here, listeners, <laughs> don't turn your ears off. Dis if you hear this disclaimer, disclaimer. Okay, <laughs> if you hear the word and you're like, mm, that's not me. First yeah. of all, I want to say it wasn't me either, okay. but I'll tell you how I got through it. So just give me two minutes of listening. If you're thinking eh, not me before you yeah. make a decision here. Okay. Uh, have an open mind. And I'm going to say meditation in some form is key. Yes. Key. Yes. And I liken it to reading. So I am a teacher. I love reading. I've always loved reading books and, you know, mm -hmm. lots of kids, lots of adults too, but kids in my classes would say, I don't like reading. And I'm like, mm, like, what kind of books have you read? Oh, right. this. Just okay, didn't great. find the right book. Try another genre. Try yeah. another author try something else. There's like a million authors, a million genres. It's like that with meditation. There's so many types of meditation. Yeah. So try something else. If what you've tried hasn't worked for you. When I was going to my psychiatrist, he would say to me, and are you meditating? And I had tried meditating for years. And so of course I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm meditating. Mm -hmm. I was <laughs> meditating because I had tried it for years and it hadn't worked. And I was like, right. guy who cares about meditating? Just like, Give me something practical to do. Something that's <laughs> going to actually work. Yeah. And that I can and measure and I can score myself on. And I can. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm all for trying new things. So, you know, if, if it was, if I hadn't tried it, no problem. But I had tried it for so long and it wasn't working. I yeah. couldn't calm the monkey mind. So I was like, eh. all of a sudden, for me, the funny thing, the success story was my good friend and clarity coach that I worked with said, well, why don't you try silent meditation? And honestly, I thought she had 
gone off the deep end because <laughs> I was like, I can't even listen to somebody else telling me focus on your breath or focus on my words. I'm right, already right. somewhere else about the dishes, about what am I going to do tomorrow? <laughs> about how am I going to be like quiet my mind in yeah. silence? But all of a sudden I said, okay, whatever. She's awesome. I'll try it. And I tried it and it was magical for me. Like honestly, wow. magical. So you know, try something different if what you have tried in meditation in the past hasn't worked. And I actually have a book that Ooh. might be good if you're a person who's tried before and it hasn't worked. Okay. The book is called, oh my goodness, of course I forgot the name. Emily Fletcher wrote the book called Stress Less, Accomplish More. It is actually designed for overachievers. She's like, this is not for the Buddhist monk who could meditate all day. It's designed for overachievers who want to achieve more. And she says, people tell her all the time, I don't have time to meditate because they're highly successful people that come to pay her, you know, for her own very busy schedules, in-person coaching. Right. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you that you don't have time not to meditate. She devotes eight chapters, the first eight chapters of this book on the benefits of meditation. And then she starts to teach you how. And let me tell you, they're amazing, amazing benefits. So that would be my one like must do in some way. So when you say in some way, and I love this because I actually have this conversation with a coworker of mine because, um, way back we had a leadership forum or whatever. And it was great because one of the things they were talking about is mental health and they brought up meditation and we all downloaded Headspace and away we go, right? And so I've tried Headspace, I quite like it. There are a few meditation apps that, that I enjoy using. Um, and you're right, like sometimes I don't, I don't wanna hear anything, sometimes I do. But for him, he was like, I tried Headspace, I tried all these, it doesn't work for me, I run. And that's how I focus. And that's how I was like, oh, you know what? That, that is a form of meditation. Is that, is it, or is meditation truly sitting still for a while? So I am not a meditation expert. I am a meditation Fair. student. Disclaimer again. <laughs> so yeah. I couldn't, you know, definitively answer that. Uh, you know, Emily Fletcher will tell you that's not meditating. She will tell you meditating is sitting still. still. But many people have told me that movement is meditation for them. So I say, whatever works for you. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So we were adding yet to our sentences so that we, we start to believe in ourselves again. And we're trying to find some time to meditate Mm -hmm. in a form that, that works for us. Because it's not like a lot of people have this misconception that meditation is about getting rid of all your thoughts. Well, your brain works automatically, just like your breathing, right? Like we would die if our brain and our breathing wasn't working automatically. So thank 100%. God it does, right? Yeah. yeah. So our brain thinks thoughts. It's going to do it all the time. But when you can, I mean, I can only talk about still meditation because I, I don't do walking or moving meditation, but I think even when people are doing moving meditation, they get into that Zen zone, right? So when you're in that Zen zone, whether it's the stillness or the repetitive pattern of running or or cycling or walking, they are able to get rid of the noise, like the external noise, 
the extra thoughts that are just clouding your true internal voice, they do dissipate. And then the thoughts that actually come to you are like incredible downloads sometime, incredible genius ideas. I feel it's your true inner knowing. Hmm. That's the voice to listen to. So part of the noise you have to remove is that, and particularly when it's, when you have anxiety or depression, there is a, that critical voice, that Mm -hmm. kind of mean voice that comes in. So when you're saying, you know, you hear your inner voice and I'm like, how do you make sure you don't misinterpret it and misinterpret that critical, harsh voice as the true you before you get there? (laughs) Excellent. So again, my amazing friend and clarity coach, she taught me when I was first starting that if you put your hand on your head and you think a thought and you're not sure, like, okay, is this like kind of the negative voice or is this the true thing? Or is this like what I should listen to or not? I mean, we know when it's the negative voice. We all know that, obviously. Your gut will tell you, yeah. If it's, is this my ego or my intuition talking? Yeah. If you put your hand on your head and say, is this my head talking? You will get intuitively a yes or a no. And then you put your hand on your heart. Is this my heart talking? Sometimes they talk the same language, right? Like sometimes they both feel the same sure, and sometimes yeah. not, but you will intuitively get a yes or a no and just trust it. That's a great wow. way to start discerning. And now I don't even have to ask that question anymore. I just know like when it is, but at the beginning I was always self-doubting, always so. There's just that it's a physical trigger, right? Mm-hmm. And that just kind of, again, clears your mind for uh, what you truly need to know about yourself. Um, there is also, I noticed on, you know, I was checking out Trinity Transformations before our conversation. And I kind of loved that you also have Zumba classes on there. So there's an element of move and i think zumba is just like i just thought of that's joy that's fun that's movement you know so i'm like i got that right i guess (laughs) can you tell us a bit about that balance like finding that stillness and finding movement because our bodies are designed to be moving absolutely and movement is such powerful medicine i find that sometimes on my deepest down moments I will try meditating, but I'm so down that I just can't get rid of that critic voice. It does not go away in those moments. Okay. And I'll try, you know, affirmations. I'll try all the tools, the calmness, mindfulness tools I have, which are fantastic tools. Yes. But if they are not working, and I don't always make this a last, but if I have tried all the others, I'm still feeling down and, and nothing's worked for sure. I'm going to start moving. It could be going for a walk in nature, or it could be throwing on some music and just dancing with wild abandon, or <laughs> it could be starting to practice a Zumba song because yes, I right. am a Zumba instructor. And that's so powerful. Within five minutes of me moving, I will have forgotten about my problems yeah. and I am in the zone. I'm in the moment. I mean, medicine, I should say medicine, exercise, scientifically is shown that it releases toxins from your body and it it has so many benefits but bringing and of course it pushes the good the dopamine the oxytocin all those feel good serotonin 
chemicals, it releases those too. So now you're feeling better and you're back in the present moment instead of being anxious, which is worrying about the future or yes. being depressed, which is thinking about the past. Oh my God. I just had a moment there. I'm like, oh my God, anxious is the future. Depression is the past. Oh God. That was just, I've never heard anyone define it that way before. That is okay. I just had a moment there of understanding kind of an aha moment. <laughs> when I heard that first on the radio, I was just blown away. I'm like, it's so true. It is absolutely true. And then the key there is that you're not in the present moment. And the present moment is truly the only thing that we have. The only reality. Truly the right only thing. Now. Right now. Yes. And movement of your body just critically important um, as a balance for your mental health as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why it's not, it's never been only about physical health for me with, with my movement. It's yeah. always, always been about mental health as well. And that's why I think you have to find something that brings you joy. Cause if you hate working out or exercising in the gym or this and that, or, you know, doing the same things over and over again, like find something that is fun. And it, it kind of makes me think about kids. Like you're playing it's fun and you're active. So you I, Oh, we're still on the same wavelength. Cause I was just going to say <laughs> people who say they hate working out or they hate exercising exactly that find something that's fun. And then some people yeah. are like, I don't know, like I haven't found any exercise that's fun. Right. Okay. So what did you do as a kid that yes. you loved? Like go back to your joy as a kid. Cause some of us as adults have completely forgotten what brings us joy. Like we just Absolutely. have no idea. We have yes. no time for joy in our lives. So, <laughs> you know, we have to be this and that and the other thing and serve everybody else first. And so joy, like, what is that even? I don't even remember what that is. Well, what did you, what did you do when you were eight years old? Like pre-10, because it's when you get to be 10 that you start to listen to what everybody else is saying and lose your sense of self. I just learned oh, that interesting. recently. Okay. So um, pre-10. Yes. What did you, what did you do that you just loved doing? Like, was it yeah. jumping in puddles? Okay. You know, one day you just go, go jump, in a puddle. jump in a puddle. <laughs> if yeah. you have fun, you'll probably laugh like a hyena. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Great. So what part of it will be, you feel ridiculous. And right. part of it is you're just having a grand old time. Right. <laughs> and I, I kind of had this moment uh, recently. I was out for a bike ride with my friend and we came across this swing set and it was just in a park, whatever. And I just remembered I loved swinging as a kid. And I was swinging away. He's like, you're going really high. I'm like, I have always loved going so high. It was like the best time. I just felt my heart was just, I was couldn't stop smiling. And I probably looked like a ridiculous adult on a swing set, but I did not care. And the actual, when you want to go really high, you actually have to put some effort into getting that swing going. Oh, yes. So it was movement and it was joy and it was just so, I just had so much fun. I was like, I've always liked swinging. I love swinging. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. It was great. It was so much fun. So, I mean, that's part of it too. Like if you let go of that, oh my God, I'm going to look ridiculous to other people. You can just do what you want mm -hmm. for fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's much easier said than done to let go oh, gosh, of what yes. everybody around you thinks. 
Absolutely. I tried laughter yoga the other day, well, a few (laughs) weeks ago. Have you ever done laughter yoga? No, but I'm not laughing thinking about it. Yeah. So I thought it was yoga that maybe somehow made funny so that you laughed, right? Somehow. I assume you have to force yourself to laugh. Right. It's just laughing really in different, like, let's throw our hands up and laugh. Let's imagine bubbles and laugh. I mean, this is the way this lady did it. I've only done it once. I don't know if this is, you know, the be all and end all of laughter yoga, but there was no yoga involved in her laughter yoga at all. And I was like, oh, I didn't need my mat. I I don't need to be barefoot. Like this is nothing to do with yoga. Oh, interesting. But uh, it was a challenge for me because everybody else was letting go and they'd been there before and they were having a grand old time. And I was laughing sometimes at myself and quite honestly, sometimes at other people and, <laughs> Fair enough. and I'm, sure, you know. I'm sure they were laughing at me too. But then I was like, right. I can't, I feel like a fool. I'm not sure if I, but I thought, you know what? Good. Like go back again and try it a few times try it again. because mm-hmm. once you do it a few times, you become more comfortable, right? Like we expect yeah. ourselves to be perfect at everything the first time first of all (laughs) or we expect ourselves to like look good or whatever and so then we're always worried about what people are gonna I mean did a baby walk the first time and just do it perfectly no did you know Michael Jordan pick up a basketball and be perfect at it the first time no no so we have to start out being crap before we can get to great that's also part of growth mindset knowing that like we're gonna start out at crap that's that's the reality right yeah. And then it's not also linear, right? We can get better, but there's still going to be points where we look like a fool because we fell down flat on our face, but sure. whatever, yeah. get up, yeah. go again. Yeah, all good. try it again. So mm-hmm. in growth mindset, um, you mentioned like, you know what, we're going to be crafted in the beginning. How do you pick um, which thing you want to pursue and focus your growth on? Well, I would say pick what gives you joy. Pick something that okay, excites so start, you. Yeah. Yes. You know? So if you're like, I've always wanted to, I don't know, learn Italian, right. but you, you don't know a, a word of Italian. Well, that's good. Start with that. You know, yeah. start with something that's exciting for you. And then okay. as you yeah. build the success in that, then maybe that, you know, as you get really good at it, then you can try things that are challenging to you that are scary to you or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's connecting back to like something that brings you joy that you have fun with that It's okay that you're not good at right now. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. me try again, try again, try again. And I find um, sometimes we talk about it in terms of like following your curiosity. Like what are you interested in? Where do you go? And then mm-hmm. it can take you in a million different directions. And, and that's really what your life journey is about. Right. Like this, constant learning and evolving and and becoming more of who you are at the end of the day amen amen to that so we have learned anxiety is worrying about the future depression is worrying about the past we'll stay in the present we're gonna add yet to our vocabulary find a way to meditate and have some fun at the end of the day amazing (laughs) amazing is there, are there any other sort of words or wisdoms or key lessons that you think our listeners would, uh, would appreciate right now? To have grace with yourself as you go and compassion. 
because, you know, like I said, we all think we should be good at it, but we're not going to. So when we do mess up in whatever, as we're building new habits, like just have compassion, have grace. We might fall or something, a roadblock might come in our way or whatever it is, but it's okay. It's okay. Have compassion for yourself. Like when we start to think like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That was so stupid. Try to like remove yourself and think, okay, if my best friend just came and told me this <laughs> happened to them yes. and they said, whatever I just said to myself, oh, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I, whatever. Would we be like, yeah, yeah, you were. Or would we tell them something different? What would we say to our best friend and yeah. be your own best friend? And that's hard at first. It's, I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do. It is a deprogramming of what you've always been taught or what you've always done in order to be who you have become up to now. So mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of wrap your head around. I gotta be nice to me for what? I'm going to push myself. I'm going to do that. That's the whole high achiever or overachiever uh, mentality, right? Um, so I, I absolutely love that you brought that up. I think it's such a critical piece of um, finding finding the right balance and calm and, um, for lack of a better word, peace in your life <laughs> and, and joy and happiness. So, oh, sorry, one more piece. thought. Yeah. Yes. Another critical piece. I don't know how I could miss this, but it's just because our conversation has been so juicy and wonderful. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's all awesome. Let's just stop there. But yeah. gratitude practice. Oh and yeah. Again, in some yes. way. Yes. I heard for years, like I grew up with Oprah, you know, and Oprah's like, I have oh, yeah, a gratitude 100%. journal. Journaling. I hate journals. I'm not <laughs> writing a gratitude journal. I don't even like writing in journals. It's horrible yeah. for me. Yeah. What a fixed mindset I had as a kid. So <laughs> you don't hard. like writing in journals yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. But I didn't know that word when I was a kid. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, thank God I've come so far. Thank God. <laughs> so there you go. Gratitude just But some type of gratitude practice. Because gratitude is one of the highest states of being and vibrating and and it just brings forward so much more goodness I mean our brains naturally look for what we focus on so if we focus looking for gratitude yeah then we find more things to be grateful for exactly yeah so, it, um, is a huge game changer for sure it allows you to operate from a place of abundance instead of a place of scarcity absolutely right you get to and and I think when you I mean, for some people, writing in a journal is great, but I think when you're when you start looking for things because you have a gratitude practice and you have to do that at the end of the day, you start looking for things to be thankful for. Suddenly, you'll start finding so much, Absolutely. and that I find is when the switch happens. Mm -hmm. So I'm perfect, <laughs> like giving yourself some grace and having gratitude in everything that you do. Um, and in your life. And I think the most important thing is that we are all unique and we're all different and it's your own journey and your own path. So, you know, practice all of these things in the way that's right for you. Absolutely. And take it one piece at a time too, you know, don't try to okay. go do all of those things that you <laughs> like, so amazingly summarized all tomorrow because right. that's going to just overwhelm you. Pick yeah. the one that you're like, yeah, that one sounds like it would work the best for me and start with it. Yes. And once that's a habit, add on. Go once back. That's a and habit, figure. add yes. on. 
Got it. Got it. Well, in the practice of gratitude, so thankful for you and what you've shared with us today um, and for taking the time to be a part of uh, Courage in Action's podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you too. It has been such a joy and a pleasure to be able to chat with you today. Likewise, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you.